I'm Pastor Dustin. I'm one of the pastors here at Life Church, and welcome to Church Online. If this is your first time watching us, we'd love to hear from you. Just leave a comment or a like, and let us know that you're watching. And also, if you need anything, you can always visit us at lifechurchutah.com, and we'd love to be able to pray with you about anything. If you'd like to participate in giving today, you can do so by texting the word LCGIVE to the number on the screen. Once again, thank you for watching Church Online here at Life Church Utah. God bless. All right. Uh, so this morning we've got a very, very special guest uh, with us with World Vision. And I call Steve Spear a good friend of mine. We have uh, we met about five years ago or so, four years ago, not real sure of the date, um, but really have a kind of a kindred heart to see God move uh, across our nation, across our world, and providing, um, providing clean water for those without. And a couple of things I was talking to Steve uh, right before or before the first service um, is the what Life Church has done? Can I can I give can I brag for a moment on Life Church? Can I can I do that? Is that okay, real quick? So way back in October, I had just been uh, been elected back in August, and I really wasn't even here. It might have been September when we had this conversation, um, uh, and hadn't even come out here yet. And I told Steve, I said, Steve, I really want to do the 6K for water uh, here in Utah when we get out here. I know it's in May. We'll have plenty of time to get that thing ready. And that conversation with Steve at Starbucks. You guys know I like Starbucks, right? And uh, so we, we're there at Starbucks in Chicago, uh, we, as we sat down to talk, that became a catalyst uh, for really for World Vision, uh, for the 6K for Water. We were kind of the first church to sign up, sign on the dotted line for this kind of a presentation uh, for this, com- you know, for this 6K. And last year, I think you said they had about 13 live presentations uh, for World Vision across the nation this year, and we were kind of that front runner there. This year, there are 109 live presentations going on around the, around the nation. That's exciting, and it's all because of you starting out and being willing to step out in faith. Uh, but, uh, but Steve, one of the great things that, that I love about Steve is um, he's not willing and content to just kind of stay put. Uh, for a while, he, or for many, many years, he was a pastor in the Chicagoland area. God kind of put on his heart, and he's going to tell a little bit of the story. But he had the opportunity and the joy, I would say, and the struggle. Uh, he ran across the United States and uh, raised a ton of money uh, for, uh, for World Vision and for children. He ran for the, for the Lord and ran for the poor, and this happened a number of years ago. That is, folks, by the way, that's about 120, uh, 120 back-to-back-to-back marathons every single day, day after day after day. Just imagine that, really close your eyes, imagine that, (laughs) right? And he did that because of a concern and a passion that he had and a growing recognition of his part that he needed to play uh, in fulfilling what God had called him to do. And I so appreciate Steve and so appreciate his leadership. So would you give a, a warm Life Church welcome to Steve Spear. Uh, well, thank you so much, Rich, and it really is cool to be with you, the Life Church family, today. This is my second time in Salt Lake City. I've only been in Salt Lake City one other time before this, and it was actually 46 years ago, a long time ago. Um, I was nine. It was the summer of 1972, and that was before like a lot of you were even born. But um, I grew up in New England. I was born in the state of Vermont, and in the summer of 1972, my dad and my mom took a month off of work. And we traveled from our home in Vermont in our pop-up camper for 30 days 
and we did a tour, a perimeter of the United States. And we went to 26 states that summer, and Utah was one of them, and Salt Lake was one of the cities that we came into. And so the last time I was here was that long ago. It's really awesome being back. I just hope the next time is less than 46 years, because I'm not sure the math will work out really good on that one. But um, it really is cool. And uh, speaking of awesome, uh, your pastors, uh, Rich and Shelley Wooten, and I know you know this. I know they've been here just a short time. I know you know how blessed you are to have them. Uh, Chicago's loss was your gain. I'm just telling you, Chicago's loss was your gain. And uh, I have, as you know, Rich said, we've known each other for the last you know, four or five years and really have gotten to know each other. And I just love their heart for the Lord. I love their heart for their family. I love their heart for the church. I love their heart for our world. And um, I treasure you, thank God for you. And you're, again, you're blessed to have them. I know you know that. But um, so, hey, this morning I have a thank you for you, a confession for you, and an invitation. A thank you, a confession, and an invitation. First, for the thank you, as you've heard already, Rich mentioned it, 150 of you walked or walked, ran uh, the 6K yesterday. And I just want to add my thanks to that. That's simply amazing. And you are a part of a global movement. All across the world yesterday, we had 45,000 people across the world at 800 different host sites walk or walk, run the global 6K. 33,000 domestically here in the United States, and just simply amazing, a precedent that was set by what happened all over the world. So I just wanted to add my, like, thanks and way to go to each one of you. I, I ran the, I was actually, I ran the London Marathon a week ago today. Uh, then my wife and I uh, spent a few days in Paris uh, vacationing, which was kind of long overdue for us. And then I was at a, a 6K host site yesterday, I ran in Chicago, and then hopped a plane yesterday to be with you guys today. So I'm just really pumped to be here and grateful to be able to thank you for what you've done. In this vein of thanks, so I want to introduce you to a friend of mine. Her name is Ashley. Ashley is on the lead team with me at Team World Vision, and uh, she's one who actually leads the whole global 6K for all of World Vision. And I wanted to introduce to you a video that allows you to meet Ashley and kind of this bigger reason uh, why we're even having this uh, kind of celebration Sunday today. So take a look at this. When I first saw her name, it was on her World Vision sponsorship folder, Beverly. I kept reading and found out that she was 12 years old. I learned she'd known true need for years, traveling far for water, putting herself in danger, and keeping her from school. I could have passed her name, forgotten about her, but something took a hold of me. Over the last year, that name, Beverly, has come to mean so much. I've learned that she's an amazing poet. She loves math and science, and she's becoming a leader in her school. Even better, my donation of $39 a month to World Vision is already hard at work bringing clean water to Bev and her community allowing even more children to go to school. I'm also helping with things like basic health care, nutritious food, and protection from exploitation. Bev is now family, and it all started with a name. Which name will be the beginning of something beautiful in your life? Today, people like you are in churches around the world watching the same video. What if, together, we made today one of global action. What have you sponsored Rosemary?
and the person behind you sponsored Chansa. What if your whole role, your whole service, sponsored a child? Imagine this across every church. What will be the name you pray for? Whose face will you put on your fridge? Which child will you write letters to with your family? Join us in this movement to show the love of God to children around the world. Sponsor a child today. So the final thank you that I have is for those of you, and we had several of you yesterday that did the 6K who have already decided to sponsor a child. You had a name on your bib, and that name spoke to you, and you decided to carry on that relationship and to begin sponsoring that child. And I just wanted to say thank you so much to those of you that did that. And then also for you to know, uh, in the course of our time, at the end of our time, we'll just give the invitation to many of you, to all of you, to consider sponsoring a child today as well. So that's my thank you. Uh, now I want to make a confession to you. So before you bring out your phone and tweet something like visiting pastor at Life Church sparks a confession. It's not that tantalizing. I'll tell you that. Uh, here's my confession, though. I don't have a tattoo. Now, many of you are like going, well, Steve, I don't care. I don't care that you don't have a tattoo. Um, now, I've got nothing against tattoo, nothing against ink. Some of my best friends in the world have a tattoo. My wife has a tattoo. My daughter has a tattoo. But for me, there's just something in my brain that feels like I've not had anything big enough happen in my life that warrants it being permanently inked on my body. That's just the way, way my brain works. Now, when I said that statement out loud to a friend of mine, his name is Michael Chiwood. He's the guy that started Team World Vision 12 years ago. When I made that statement out loud that I've not done anything big enough in my life, I, I made that statement a couple years ago, Michael stopped me dead in my tracks. He said, Steve, are you nuts? He said, in 2013, you ran across the United States. You ran like 3,081 miles. You went through 14 states. You went through 10 pair of ASIC running shoes. You ate like 1,000 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches mid-run. You like burned through 6,000 calories a day. You, you, you raised over a half a million dollars. You got attacked by six wild dogs. Dude, you should have the perimeter of the United States map permanently tattooed on your back. And I was like, man, I don't know. I just don't think that's big enough. And he's like, dude, he said, I do not get you. Uh, but that's just the way that my mind works. But lately I've been thinking, if I were to get a tattoo, if I were to get one, I kind of know where I would get it. I think it would be on my wrist, like on my left wrist here. And I think it would have something to do with my life verse, which is Philippians 1.6. It's just 14 words long, and it says this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Now, this speaks very clearly of he, the God of the universe, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the maker of these beautiful mountains in Salt Lake City, Utah. I got to tell you, this is different than Chicago. Uh, we do not have this in Chicago. The only mountains we have in Chicago are landfills. Uh, and, and, and I can tell you there's no snow at the top of them. Uh, so, I mean, when, I just, when I'm here, I'd forgotten just how gorgeous this area is. And when I woke up this morning, I got in late last night, so it was dark, but when I opened the window at the place that I stayed and I saw the mountains, my first thought was, God, how great you are. The very God who made the mountains around you, the very one who created the heavens and the earth, he is the one who has begun a good work in your life. He is that one. And he began that work chiefly through Jesus Christ. 
And what Christ did through his life and his ministry, his death on the cross that we remember just a couple of weeks ago, his resurrection from the grave, the resurrection power that we have available in our lives, he is the one who has begun that good work in you through what Christ did on the cross and through his resurrection. He, and then, carries that work on to completion. That's what our God does. Now, the interesting thing, and I'm firmly convinced of this, that God uses people and circumstances to complete his work in our lives, doesn't he? He uses people. He uses things that people that are welcomed in our lives, circumstances that are welcomed in our lives to complete his work. And then he uses things that aren't welcomed as well, right? He uses things that we weren't even seeing on the radar screen to complete his work in our lives. Uh, this next picture is how the U.S. run began and it ended. On the left is when it began. It was on April 8th. This was 2013. That image on the left is the far west rail of the Santa Monica Pier. Uh, and I just fell to my knees like in fear, having no idea what might be ahead on this run across the United States. But I just said, God, I'm yours. Humbly, I submit myself to you. On the right side is how the run ended. That's in Battery Park, uh, New York City. It was 150 days later. It was a marathon a day for 150 days, which was just a little off the chain. And I just bowed in uh, thanksgiving at the end of the run for God's protection and his provisions over the course of the U.S. run. But I will say I am the most unlikely guy to have run across the United States. Uh, I ran my very first marathon, my very first ever marathon in 2007. Prior to that, I wasn't a runner at all. I had a friend who ran the 2006 Chicago Marathon with Team World Vision. Uh, that was the very first year that World Vision had any kind of a runner in a marathon event. And there were 90 people that ran the Chicago Marathon in 2006. Uh, fast forward, uh, this last year we had 2,000 runners run the Chicago Marathon with Team World Vision. Nationwide, we had 10,000 people run a full or half marathon with World Vision and raise over $10 million for clean drinking water. But it all started with 90 in 2006, and my buddy was one of them. And he ran the Chicago Marathon that year. The day after, he called me, and he said, Hey, Steve, you need to run the Chicago Marathon with me next year, 2007, with Team World Vision. I had a simple two-letter answer for him, N-O, <laughs> followed by the phrase, I hate running. And uh, my buddy just pestered me, though, for four months. He pestered me to say yes. He said, but it's with World Vision. It's with a great charity. I said, that's great. As a matter of fact, I told him, my wife and I sponsor a child. We've been sponsoring children since we got married in 1986. We can sponsor another child. I can write another check. I do not need to run. But he kept at me and kept at me. And in April of 2007, there was one evening, I remember like it was yesterday. I was home. I was all by myself. The family was gone. And at the time, I was pastoring a church. And I felt this little nudge or whisper from the Holy Spirit. Ever gotten one of those before? A little whisper, sometimes a smack side the head. And I heard this little voice. And the voice went like this. Hey, Steve, all the time as a pastor, you're always inviting people to step out of their comfort zones. You're always inviting them to step through their fears. Why are you so unwilling to train for and run the Chicago Marathon? I didn't have a good answer. And in that moment, I felt like I was being called to do this. So I called my buddy the next day, and I said, I'm in. And he said, man, what changed your mind? And I said, I think it was the Lord. And uh, I set out with four goals for my first marathon. Goal number one was to hate running less every time I ran. Goal number two was to train well enough to make it to the starting line. The third goal was to finish before they closed the course. These were not high goals, you guys. 
And then the fourth goal was to raise $1,000 for kids and families uh, through World Vision. I thought it was going to be a one and out deal, not to ever be repeated again. But God completed something in my life. Something changed inside of me. For one, I met some amazing people. They are now the closest, deepest friendships that I've ever had in my adult life. I definitely got into the best shape in my life. And God used that to begin shaping something in me that I wasn't even counting on being shaped in my life. The following year, the gentleman who started a Team World Vision, Michael Chitwood, one of my good friends, he said, Steve, the, 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 the dream of Team World Vision is to have it anchored in the local church, to have local churches invite people who aren't runners to run a marathon and have them also make a difference in the lives of children. He said, but we've not had a pastor say yes to launching Team World Vision from their stage. Would you be the first pastor to launch Team World Vision to run a marathon from your stage? And I said, man, this has been instrumental in my life. God has used it. I said, yes, I'll do that. How do I do this? Now, I thought Michael had done this several times. I thought they were, I thought he was very experienced. He said, oh, it's really easy. He said it like he'd done it a hundred times. I found out he hadn't even done it once. But he's a very persuasive kind of a guy. He said, it's super simple. You stand on stage. You make a three-minute verbal. I'll give you the words to say. Then you show a two-minute inspiring video. And then we're going to hold a 10-minute info session after the service down in the front where people can come get more information about running the marathon. I said, sounds great, Michael. It won't work. I literally thought, who in the world comes to church on a Sunday morning having no idea that an ask is going to run to run a marathon and they're going to say yes that day? It won't work. But because it had changed me and God had used it to complete something, I said yes. So on, uh, it was a Sunday, the third Sunday, April of 2008, I did exactly, I, gave, I said what Michael told me to say. I told, I told our church that we have a couch to finish line training plan. We'll take you from the couch to the finish line, then right back to the couch again. Uh, we showed a video, and then we had a 10-minute info session after the service. We had about 800 adults in our service that morning, and to my amazement, 75 people came up to the info session afterwards. And they were all shapes. They were all sizes. Many of them had no business running a marathon. And my first thought literally was liability. I, I, I was like scared. I was like, I'm going, this is a problem. Like I thought, man, some of these people just should, and I asked Michael, I said, so how good is this couch to finish line training plan anyways? And uh, two, it was simply amazing, uh, 50 of the 75 people trained for and completed the Chicago Marathon that year and raised $65,000 for clean drinking water. Uh, again, fast forward, uh, we now have 425 church partners across the United States. 10,000 people this year will complete a half or a full marathon. But on that first team, it wasn't, the money was amazing. We could have never written a check for $65,000 from our church. We could have never done that. But more than the money was what I saw happen in the lives of the people who ran. You see, God completed something in them. One guy dropped 50 pounds, totally revolutionized his life. We had one particular marriage that their marriage was just in the, it was in the toilet. And both a husband and the wife raised their hands to say yes to running the marathon. Now, I don't know if you've heard this before, but uh, it's been said that community happens when you laugh with somebody and when you cry with someone, right? Laugh with uh, when you laugh, cry, and sweat with someone, even more community gets formed. I'll tell you that. Something happened in the training that, that literally revolutionized that marriage. God completed something in that couple. The next time we offered a public baptism service, we had seven people come in their Team World Vision jersey and were baptized in it because God had completed something in their faith 
as a result of that experience. That changed and revolutionized uh, us in a pretty remarkable way. Then about two years after that, God sort of moved in me once again out of my comfort zone, and I signed up to run at the, at the beckoning of my friend Michael to go beyond my fears again and to run the 56-mile, yeah, you heard me right, 56-mile Comrades Ultramarathon in South Africa. Longest running ultramarathon in the world has been raced annually since 1923. I didn't want to do it at all. I didn't really like running 26 miles, so running 56 miles was not in my wheelhouse at all. But I felt God urging me to go beyond my comfort zone. Not just train for and run the event, but to try to get dozens and dozens of people to say yes to sponsor a child with World Vision. And so the day of the race came. I trained for it. I just wanted to hate running less every time I ran as I trained for that thing as well. Uh, the day the race came, and as I made my way through the, the front end of the race, I, I, I was doing okay apart from the fact I couldn't keep anything down in my stomach. Uh, and it, food wasn't staying down, and drink wasn't staying down. That's a little bit of a problem when you're trying to go 56 miles. And when I got to four, mile 44 of that race, the wheels came completely off, and I was totally done. I had actually found myself on the side of the road quitting. I was done. My head was down in my hands. I was sitting in the grass, and I was just waiting for the, what they call the SAG bus to pick me up because I was done and, and wasn't, didn't want to finish. And while I was sitting there, with my head down, I heard a voice uh, calling me. And the voice simply said this. Hey, you, sitting over there, get up. And I'm like, am I dreaming? And I, I sat, and again, I heard, hey, you, sitting in the grass, you need to get up. And I looked up, and there's a guy in the road standing there, running, and he's just pointing at me. He said, you came here for a reason. You're not going to finish this race sitting there. You need to get up and run. And I'm like, buzz off, buddy. Like, I don't need you or this right now. Let me quit, please. And then he just urged me again to get up. And he was, my, he was older than I was, so he's my elder, so I thought I probably should respect the guy. So I get up and I walk over the road. And he said, come on, let's run for a little bit. And so we started off with a really slow, slow movement for like 20 yards. And then we picked it up a little bit. And then we ran for about, you know, half a mile. And then he said, oh, you're, you're, you're doing well. You're going to be better than me now. You go on ahead. I'm going to drop back. And I'm like, you just bane switched me. <laughs> you know, I have no idea if I'll ever meet that guy again. But I got to tell you, Life Church family, that interaction God used to complete something in me. You see, I needed to be encouraged. I had a burden that needed to be bore by someone, and that guy bore my burden. He called me out, and he encouraged me, and it completed something in me. It taught me something. It reminded me that we, for one another, we all need to be called out sometimes, don't we? We all need that kind of encouragement when life is at a point where we need to be encouraged to do this or to do that, and somebody calls us out. Or maybe we're on the end where we can encourage or call someone out. But that completed something in me, you see. It was only six months after that that I felt the whisper from the Holy Spirit to uh, take on a run across the United States. The day that that whisper hit in my life, I thought it was a bad taco from the night before. Didn't feel like that could be real. But God impressed upon my spirit that I was to run across the United States, which was a completely weird thought. People don't do these things. I have a job. I'm pastoring a church. My wife has a job. 
This would mean all kinds of crazy things. For reasons of fear, I didn't even tell my wife about that vision for a couple of months because it was so ludicrous. But God continued to implant that vision in us. And I don't know if you've ever tried keeping a beach ball under the surface of the water. You push it down and it pops back up again. You push it down and it pops back up again. That's what that vision was like to run across the United States. And finally, after 14 months, in April of 2012, I surrendered myself to say, Lord, if this is what you're calling us to do, then I'll do this. I don't get it, but I'll do it. I resigned my position. My wife resigned hers. And uh, we tr I did an, a volunteer project for 18 months, preparation, then the run, and then afterwards uh, with World Vision. And, and God used that to complete something in my life in some very big ways. But I want to roll a video for you right now. And I want you to look uh, at the person who you think was my inspiration for the U.S. run. Who was it that inspired me to do this and to keep going? So watch this and see if you can find the person. In 2007, I got roped into running my first marathon. I hate running. I only had four goals. To hate running less each time I ran, to train well enough to make it to the starting line, wanted to finish before they closed the course, and I wanted to raise $1,000 for clean water in Africa. I completed the marathon, and that was five years ago. So when people ask me, so why are you running a marathon this morning? Why are you running one tomorrow and one the day after that? Well, I tell them that I still want to hate running less each time I run, but this time it's different. I want to raise $1.5 million for clean water in Africa. And to do that by running 120 marathons from LA to New York, so that 30,000 people in Kenya can have clean drinking water for life. So how did I go from running one marathon to now running across the entire length of America? It's definitely been a process. I started running about 30 miles each week. Now sometimes I'm running close to 130 miles per week, equal to that of elite runners. And there's definitely been some great training days in this, and there have been some ugly ones as well. The worst training day consisted of an 18-mile run in the morning, eight miles in the evening, and on that evening, when I was running that eight-miler, I feel for the first time I was running for water. I feel like I got a glimpse of what it must feel like for one billion people who don't have access to clean water. Children like our World Vision sponsored child, Winnie, she, like millions of other women and girls, travels six miles for water every single day. And you can't tell me that that's okay. I felt that on top of the physical and the emotional value that training provides in a person's life, for me, it was a personal calling. So I started with one marathon, and that one soon turned into three, and three to five, five into 30. Then there were some ultra marathons. I was gradually running more and more miles, and as the number of miles increased, so did the number of lives that were being affected. There are a billion people on the planet that don't have access to clean water. All they know is what it feels like to walk one mile after the next, one day after the next, every single day. So when people say, why are you running 120 marathons across America? My hope is to take some of the miles from Winnie and 30,000 people just like her and to bring them clean water instead. So uh, who was it that inspired me? Winnie, yeah, you nailed it. 
Uh, you know, the, here's the deal. Uh, many of us, the, the whole issue of um, the, 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 the lack of access to clean water and poverty in our world, uh, in the global setting, it's, it's, some, it's overwhelming to us, and most of us can't ever put a face to it. Uh, Winnie helped put a face to it for me and my family. You see, it, it made the whole thing personal to us. Uh, this image right here is when I first met Winnie in August of 2012. I've now seen her three different times since then. And when I met Winnie this day, they had not yet gone for their walk for water. And I asked them if I could go. It was early in the morning. She goes a mile out to their water source. It's right here. It was basically a dirty pond. I could tell it was a contaminated source when I first met her. And <clears throat> she does this uh, three times a day. And, you know, the, uh, the water source was contaminated. Half the kids under the age of five would die of the, because of the water coming out of this water source. And then we, you know, Winnie has a little container. I have a five-gallon container right there. And when we filled it, uh, and then I carried it back one mile back to her home. Weighs 50 pounds full. Think of an old-school microwave full of water. When I carried that thing back to Winnie's home, something broke inside of me. I said, this is it just, I was filled with despair, but then I had a, a, a kind of a voice of hope that said, wait a second, if we can put one foot in front of the other, if I can walk a few miles or run a few miles and encourage other people to run or run, walk a few miles or encourage people to sponsor a child, we can make a, a, the future for Winnie and thousands of kids like her completely different. And so that became my inspiration. Winnie became my inspiration. And I got to tell you, uh, there isn't anything that my wife and I spend $39 on a month that just is more valuable to us than what we do with Winnie and other children that we sponsor through World Vision. It's that important to us because God is using it to complete something in us. Something is different inside of me because of this girl named Winnie. You see, and something is different in Winnie's life, completing in her because of the relationship that we have. We can write letters back and forth. Uh, it's just quite amazing to me. In Life Church, I just want to invite you to consider what it might look like for you to open up your family to a child like Winnie who needs sponsored and to see how God might use that to complete something uh, in your life. This final image that I want to show you is just one of when I first met Winnie. On the left is another picture. On the right, this is when I last, I last saw Winnie in November, this past November. She now has access to clean water. Uh, Winnie's in school. Uh, her mom and dad were able to help with them. They have a thriving garden business. It's quite remarkable. I've seen it. And to see the microfinance, so there's food security, there's clean water, there's education. Now there's this idea of microfinance. These are the kinds of things that allow communities to come out of poverty for good. You see, how the child sponsorship works is that the money that you would sponsor a child with in a community gets pooled with other sponsors from that community, and now all of a sudden, you have this turbocharged effect for water, food security, health care, and microfinance, which is pretty darn amazing. And so the other cool thing is that uh, Winnie, every Sunday morning, is teaching 20 young children uh, truths from Scripture at their little church that meets not too far from the humble church under a tree. But Winnie's teaching them truths from Scripture. And that completes something big time in my life, knowing this is true. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.